Crooks Lair is back. Another motherfucking episode. What's up, criminals? On this lucky ducky episode, we got the one and only homie Trancast. I'm not going to go too deep into what this fool stands for because he explains plenty of what he stands for. But this fool has taught me maybe 80% of the music production I do today. I've learned from this fool. Good teacher knows what he's talking about. And a good fucking human being. Shout out, Forrest. Thanks for joining me on this episode. But, you know, that's it. Let's get to this episode. some water yeah, and this is the i had to go around the house dude my, my girlfriend's on her way to get some water right now so i had to go around the house and like all the like half empty bottles <laughs> on the counters and like on the like end tables and shit yeah like scrounge them together and this is my fucking while she's going to get water this is my you just had to <laughs> consolidate them all into one <laughs> yeah it's the, it's, the, it's the house communal bottle you pre- you pre- you pressed uh you press command j bro you press c- control j yes sir <laughs> <laughs> consolidated that shit that's funny oh. as fuck oh we're off to a beautiful right? start <laughs> reference 10 out of 10 well what's up player you said you moved back in back in october okay yeah because i remember you know yeah, whole different yeah, background yeah. Yeah, from the the old well, the old place that we were in in Albuquerque. But I originally actually moved from Wisconsin to Albuquerque, like in like 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2018. It was like the end of 2018. Well, for what was the reason you went out so there? I've been here for like, what's what that? was the reason you went out there? Was the reason you moved? Oh boy, <laughs> um, that's a really long story, bro. That is a pretty long story. So, um, but to kind of like sum that up. Like shit really wasn't working out for me in Wisconsin. Yeah. Like uh, uh, jobs weren't working out, and like I was having some legal problems. <laughs> it was getting pretty bad, and, uh, and and it was getting to a point where like all that was was like holding me back from being able to have like a stable place yeah. to live. And it and uh, and one one thing led one thing led to another, and eventually my family. I was dating Christine like long distance at the time. My family was just like. Um, you should just go live with your girlfriend in New Mexico. Just go live in New Mexico for a bit. See if that see if that works out. <laughs> and like they in a, in a sense kind of like booted me out, but um it, it worked out for the better for sure. Yeah, so, sometimes you you need a you need that push to to take that that like yeah. step you you don't know you don't know you need to take, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for real. Yeah, they they definitely helped like boot me in the right yeah. direction for sure. So my dad, my dad kind of helped me put some money together and I helped him and my mom and my dad, like my parents basically helped me pay for like, um, some, uh, like some moving expenses. Yeah. Like I still had to pay for a lot of shit out of my own pocket. Where, where'd you, it was pretty rough. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that, that extra money? Were you selling that ass on the corner? What's up? <laughs> nah, nah. Um, back when I was in Menominee, I was oh. working stupid. Ass jobs, dude. That's the, that's the town. In, in that's Wisconsin. the town you lived in. Yeah, Menominee, Wisconsin. There's like three different Menominees, though, bro. So you gotta be like particular on which one. 
There's the one I was in is like right next to Eau Claire. Do you know where nah, that is? Nah, nah, uh-huh. Like UW, UW Eau Claire, UW Stout. Nah, nah. No, I okay. never been to Wisconsin. Uh, I don't okay. get it. But you've heard of Menominee. Fuck no. I, the only reason I said Menominee is because I heard you say, I was like, what is that? Oh, that's how, okay, that's how, okay. that's sounds like the strip club you go on a Monday through Wednesday. <laughs> Dude, say it slow. It's me, no money. Uh, facts. <laughs> facts. Yeah. Me, no money. That's that's how I grew up. But yeah, before <laughs> in that little puke. That's town. fair. But before we get to uh, before we get too deep in and have just hella content, but no one knows who the fuck I'm talking about. I want to introduce you, criminals. We're back with another interview, another podcast interview. And this one's, I would say, one of my more special ones, mainly because uh, this fool has taught me a lot when it comes to music production. He's a hell of a producer, and I would even go the extent to say an even better teacher because Homeboy knows what he's talking about, but also explains why things do that, what they do. Like, I, I know trying to learn from some people, they like they tell you that this does this, but then don't tell you how it does it. They just tell you that it does it. But homeboy Trantcast, he knows how to get into details. So if you guys are trying to get into production or anything, like he's definitely the fool. But Trantcast, you you said New Mexico, yeah? Nah, yeah. It's Arizona. <laughs> Shut up. No, it's it, it's New Mexico. Well, I appreciate that introduction, brother. Hell yeah. Um. But yeah, like you said, yeah, I, I like to. I just like to make sure that people know how to use the tools that are involved with music production, rather than just being like, "Yo, you need to compress this kick drum this yeah. way all the time," because that's not the case. You know, like every sound is different, just like every snowflake is yeah. different. So yeah, every sound needs to be treated differently. Yeah. So more on that. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. We're just we're bullshitting right now, trying to get, trying to find out what Trancast is really all about, bro. But you're from, uh, so you live in New Mexico, but you moved out there from uh, Monopoly, Wisconsin? Monopoly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Menominee, me no money. Yeah, that's where I was uh, born and raised. Well, I was actually born in a town called like Durand or some shit. It's like 20 miles away from Menominee. But um, yeah, it's like Menominee is this tiny little like unincorporated, it's almost unincorporated, man. There's like maybe 10, 20,000 people there. Like, no joke. There's a there's a college there, UW Stout. When when college season's in, like the population doubles, and then when they all go home for to see their family and stuff, like it's like a deserted ass town. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it's a small town. So I grew up there. Go for it. It's it's wicked, but it's it's dope too because we were like an hour away from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that's where all the parties are. So growing up, I used to go like road trip out that way and hang out in Minneapolis and just do all all sorts of crazy stuff. And then once I started getting into like DJing and stuff, then I was like, I was really out in Minneapolis like all the time. Believe that. What got you, what got you into DJing? Minneapolis. Minneapolis What got you into DJing? Uh, How how long, how long (laughs) you been DJing, man? How long you been DJing? Did you, uh, did you DJ first and then produce? Um, I think I actually, I produced first and then started DJing, but I wanted to do both at the same time. Like, and it was back when it was as young as I was like, fucking, I was like 11 years old. I was like 12 years old. Maybe it was like 2005. So I was born in 92, 2005. 
I'm not really good at math on the fly, but I was somewhere around there, like, yeah, 12 years old, something like that. And then 13. And uh, I saw this video on YouTube. It was, it's, it was like 2005 trance energy in this place called Utrecht in like the Netherlands or some shit like that. And it was this event. Um, it's like this, like, like inside an arena, they'd like throw these huge raves and it was all like trance music. It's like, doom, 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 you know, just like all like super melodic stuff. And like DJs all, DJs all have their hands in the air. And like, you got like Armin van Buren, Armin van Buren, Tiesto, Johan Gielen, like Cosmic Gate, like all these old school trance artists. And like, I saw that video and I saw them like on stage, like throwing their hands like this and like doing the, the stuff with the final. And I was just like, bro, this is so cool. I want to do that. And like the fact that they were doing it for a crowd and like everybody was getting into it. And like, that just got me so excited and then look into it more. And I'm like finding out like, yo, Armin van Buren actually like he makes the stuff that he's playing. So like these guys are actually making the music and then they're playing it. And I'm like, yo, that's even cooler. I want to do that. So then I downloaded like 2005, I downloaded the software called techno EJ (laughs) five. Look it up. It's really, really like old school clunky looking. And I like, I started figuring out how to like sequence beats, like with like dude, that software looks like, like some like 1990s, like video game. I I believe it. Especially if, uh, if, if we're talking Oh five, yeah. Oh five, super weird and like bubbly. Everything's all like really colored, weird and vivid and, um so but it still had kind of like the idea like it had a sequencer and like kind of like an arrangement page and like you could kind of like put like preset sounds together and i was super into that man i loved it i thought that was the coolest thing ever and my dad my dad since he was like i only found that video because of my dad my dad carrie um spoiler alert he's actually not technically my real dad um he's just he married my mom when i was like one and he was my dad from there on that's your dad dog that's your dad that's my dad, dad for real yeah 100 percent. oh yeah no 100 he's my dad he's yeah facts he's my dad he's always been my dad love him to death carrie wagner Sh- but, um, shout out. yeah so he <laughs> shout out he uh he he got me introduced to all that like i was like he was listening to like trance music and all that stuff and so that's why i was on youtube and that's how i discovered that video that armin van buren video of like trans energy and so because my dad listening to it i was like i want to find it myself so i found it and then that's kind of what started everything. And then I was telling my dad, you know, like, Hey, I really like this. Can you help me? Like, how do I do this? Like, how do I make this like on a, put this on a CD? And so my dad looked into it and he found out a way to like go from our like family, like desktop computer to his laptop with an aux cord going from like the mic to the headphone jack. And he would like, he would record like with audacity or whatever, like, the output of the one computer being this beat that I made in Techno EJ5 going into the aux cord into his computer, recording it in Audacity, and then he helped me put it on CDs and like give it to my friends. That's a hood ass studio. My dad was like a really big influence. So I said, I That's that. a hood ass studio, man. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> also, real. it's 05 and you were like 12, 13. So, yeah, also, yeah, it was like, like nothing. Yeah, it was just like kid shit. But I was exploring and I was discovering it. I was, I was figuring it out. And then um, fast forward maybe like a year or two. I don't know exactly. Um, start getting into like free Loops. You know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm still like on it every day. I'm like, dude, what it like synthesizers? What this, is this? What, what is an LFO? What's that? What, what, are, what does any of this mean? Like I was super, super like on it. Like I just wanted to know everything I could know about what made these sounds and, and like what made them get put together and like, so I, yeah, and 
I remember uh, Armin Van Buren had on his like official website, like a little studio tour. So that kind of gave me a, like my very first insight on like how a studio looks. Hey, and his I got a, I got a question for you. Did you, uh, yeah, sorry. I just go no, 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 that, That's awesome. Um, but it, I, every time this comes up, I think it's coming up once or twice before, but did you torrent fruity loops or did you buy it outright? No, no, I actually, I, I'm pretty sure like everybody else, I use like a crack. That's how, that's how I know if I really trust you or not. Demo version or whatever. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually buy a software until I bought Ableton in like 2014, bro. <laughs> like that was like the first time I bought a DAW. Cause it was like already like almost 10 years that I've been making music. Yeah, that's crazy. So I was just running off of like just cheap cheapo stuff and then yeah like just like demos and some cracked versions of free loops and yeah i definitely wasn't the most honest person until i got my first like main setup like in 2013 or 14 and then i started actually buying my plugins and my software but you're talking probably you're talking like probably a solid eight years of fucking around with sounds to say the least just fucking around yeah yeah just eight years of not knowing what i was doing yeah, from 2005 to like 2014, 2013, just like fucking around, just experimenting, playing around. I've never, I I think my mom forced me to have piano lessons when I was a kid, but I did not stick I'm, with I'm it. I'm so and jealous. I was, I was actually, I was a choir boy at one point, but like only for a couple of years. So I had a little bit of musical background, just a little bit. So I didn't really know how to like actually play anything, but I was just so, so like captivated by like those sounds, bro. Like those sounds like remember uh, i remember when i was a kid and that stupid movie uh um madagascar came out and there was like don 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 i like yeah. the movie, movie you know like that that synth that wah, 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 like that synth and that groove like that just like oh, okay this is, this is, i gotta do this shit like i love this so you know what I mean? So it's just like music was everywhere, but I didn't know it. <laughs> like I loved it, but I yeah, didn't know fair. it. So I was just spending like 10 years of my life trying to like understand it and know it. And um, yeah, I didn't really start like doing any releasing until yeah, like around that time, like 2013, 2014. But that was, yeah, it's crazy. If you look on YouTube, uh, you can find a lot of my old stuff. Like um, I had, I had this like uh trance song that I made when I was like 15 that I put on YouTube, it's under like the energy of trance. It's like a stupid Coldplay remix or whatever, but well, the energy <laughs> um, of trance, that shit sounds goatee as fuck. energy of trance. Dude, I know, I know it was, it was bad. I was, I was really like, I was a, I was a huge trance nerd back then. Um, until I met some guys that were like a grade ahead of me. And then I started getting in a dub, but that wasn't until, yeah, like 2012, 2011. That's what but, happens. It's like one thing gets popular with a few fools and then that shit just catches on, like especially in the community that I, that I live in. Like it's not too it's not too big. But uh, I remember when like when electronic music first started popping off, it was mainly house and dubstep. And those were like the big two. And I think trap was nationally popular around the time. I would say like 2012, 2013 Tra trap was mm -hmm. big. But in and the community that I'm at, like it was house and dubstep, and I don't know, like just a few more people caught on to dubstep than house, and like next thing you know, like dubstep. I think it kind of goes like across the board, uh, nationally wise, like dubstep for some reason took the reins 
of electronic music in America. Yeah. No, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, because it was electronic music was still here, but it was like such a different. It was different. Like there's this there's this music festival in in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's called DOS Energy. And you go look at the lineups 2013, because that, that was the first one I went to. It was 13, 14, 15. And just over the years, over the years, you just see that it just gets more bass heavy and bass heavy. But bro, 2013, it was like Hardwell, Danik, Dyro. Like these fools were headlining. And Nicky Romero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly yeah. that. Um, and just over time, you see it's just slowly like, they get pushed to the bottom. Trickled mm. in. The, and then next thing you... And then you started seeing like Skrillex and Funkcase. Yeah, and, and they're the ones headlining. Um, yeah. Which I'm not complaining, but I think, you know, businesses being business, they're going to do what appeals to the crowd more. So like like I said, like Dubstep, you know, blew up. Um, They're going to bring Dubstep artists. And I understand, I understand that, but it's like, bro, I just, I just miss like old-fashioned house music. <laughs> yeah because uh like i remember listening to my my second show ever ever was tiesto tommy trash um alvero and quintino that must have been oh, a dope show. so much fucking house that shit was so dope i was a little yeah <laughs> super bouncy yeah but like to say that because t- it was a tour to say that same tour would tour america like would not be as popular now as it would uh, as it was in 2013. Yeah, but. no, I feel that definitely. Just how it's just the evolution of things, uh-huh. you know. It's crazy how everything evolves so quickly. Quickly, too. quickly, and then it happens before quickly, your eyes, and the yeah. next thing you know, like fucking, uh, you got to keep up with it. You, ha- you have to. <laughs> I think you have to if if you want to appeal to to what's the word i'm looking for if you want to appeal to the, the mass yeah if you want to appeal to the masses because yeah. like i i start like when i started making music maybe like three years ago dubstep was big then right so and then like that's what i was listening yeah. to so that's what i first started off making but i feel like now i don't have any knowledge in other genres to produce it i almost feel like tied down and locked in if i'm going to produce something in dubstep and that almost like i put a wall to myself because i don't want to produce dubstep but that's more or less um the only thing that i know how to produce so like i'll branch out and like i've made hip-hop here and there and like i make some lo-fi um but i don't have enough knowledge in it to be like okay i'm comfy releasing this and that and that just you know that that's natural because i mean that i don't i think i don't think anyone is really able to just like start producing a certain style of music and just like be immediately good at it you know it definitely takes a lot of time of like listening to what already exists and then understanding kind of how that's put together and to be able to kind of create your own ideas and um kind of tweak them to like your own unique liking you know what i mean like so that definitely comes with just time like you have to spend a lot of time listening to existing music of that style to to 
to try that and um and break away from it i'm sure you are oh yeah yeah but i feel like yeah like but going off what you just said right there like i feel like i don't like i would love to make techno but i don't listen to enough techno to like okay this is how the kick sounds i think i gotta do this post-processing to make it sound like this that in which case in which case then yeah you would just sit down and listen for like a week just listen to techno and and i'd probably do it in like like a history based kind of thing like you're starting like like one one or two days you're listening to like techno from like the 80s or 90s you know like early techno and then like start progressing towards like modern techno so you get like a flavor of everything and maybe you can try switching it up do a little bit of old school techno with with a little bit of a modern techno vibe yeah and that's what will make you that's what will make what you're trying to do unique yeah i feel you stand out a little bit but yeah. one thing I will say is, yo, ever since um, we, I, I did, I think I've done like two, uh, two lessons with you, but ever since I did that, um, when we did those, it, it was for like music production, mainly dubstep, but it was mainly making your drums pop and dog, I can say my drums are fucking popping so nicely they sound so crisp they're they're heavy hitting and clean and it's really easy to mix down now that i have knowledge on how to fucking mix down um That's but good, man. yeah That's good. i i feel like it, it's also hard though trying trying to like expand because i that like the drums in like techno are not going to be processed the same. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, no, fuck. and then I feel like I don't, it's all just like I said, yeah, well, it's all just like flavor. I mean, like the way that, and again, that just comes down to listening to that style of music. Like you just got to listen to like, listen to techno for a couple days and then listen to the kick drums and be like, you know like listen for how much distortion or how much compression or how much like transient shaping could be on it uh, how much side chaining is going on and like you know you can try to kind of replicate it by just listening to it um so you can kind of get your kick drums to fit that same kind of vibe um and a lot of that just comes with knowing those tools so like you know like like knowing what a saturator is going to sound like on a kick drum you know if it's like overblown like a hard style kick drum or like a gabber kick drum or if it's like just like tastefully saturated like a hip hop kick drum. Yeah, like, I feel you. Like you start listening if you start understanding those subtleties and then like hear listening for them like that I feel like that really helps to keep that uh, how do you say it? I'm not sure how you say that. I don't know. Um keep it at uh stay aware keep of it. Keep it one hundred. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but so so I was tripping off. Nah, no so you moved out to <laughs> to New Mexico. I don't I don't know how the fuck we got here. Um, but you moved <laughs> you moved out to, to New Mexico to move in with your girl. You said how long were you doing long distance for? Because I'm doing that right now and that shit sucks. Oh man, yeah, no. Shout out to you and your long distance girlfriend. Keep that alive. It's it's definitely tough, but it's doable, man. But yeah, we um we started dating in like 2017. And I would just like get a plane ticket and go to visit her and we'd hang out for like a week at her place here in Albuquerque. And then she'd like maybe come drive up to see me or get a plane ticket to see me and drive, bro. She um, drove for you. 
She drove, bro. She's yeah, teeny, teeny the great, straight up drove from Albuquerque, New Mexico, all the way to Menominee, Wisconsin, uh, with her cousin and her cousin boyfriend at the time. And the three of them came up to hang out, and uh, yeah, dude, it was like a two thousand mile drive. Bro, t- or no, no, sorry, it's like a thousand miles. It's like a thousand mile, but still, it was, it was ridiculous. It took her like two days bro, to get to me. It teeny was crazy. the fucking go though. That whole way. Dude, I know. So that, that was when I was like, all right, this is the one. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> if they're putting that much effort in, bro, you know that shit's real, dog. Bro, for real. So, like, and it was cool, too, because we met, like, through music. She was a fan of Trent Cast. Like, because by the time, in 2017, I was already, like, I'm sure you know. I, like, Trent Cast was already kind of starting to make, build a name for itself. Like, I was kind of starting to do yeah. something. And 2016, 2017 were kind of, like, my highlight years, in my opinion. And, uh, and that's when... Yeah, that's when I just like we we like started talking because of that. She just hit me up out of the blue. It was like, I love your music, and hey, wait, is like, that how y'all met? Did she find your music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh. she actually so she Snapchatted me, bro. <laughs> she Snapchatted me on she she replied to one of my stories of a tune and and she sent me like a, just a, a shit ton of emojis. I was like, oh, and then and like looked at her picture and I was like, okay, she cute. <laughs> and started talking and damn. So 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 did she shoot her shot first? <laughs> She shot her shot, yeah, bro. You hear that lady shoot your fucking <laughs> shot, man. Shoot your shot, lady. Yeah, no, it was cute though. I loved it. I loved it. So yeah, so I got a plane ticket. Uh, after like after like three months of like talking to each other, we're like, all right, let's let's hang out. Let's actually let's do this. Hang out. So I bought a plane ticket, like saved up some money, and went to visit her in 2017. And that was dope. And that was I asked her out. Like I was like, will you be my girlfriend? Like the whole <laughs> the whole cheesy skit. While I was here in Albuquerque, and or no, we went to Colorado. We went, and, uh, we went and did some, uh, we went and, like shopped around in some dispensaries and like hung out in Denver, or Colorado Springs, and I asked her there or whatever. And uh, it was just, it was all cute. It was all dope. And uh, so, but but it was tough too, cause like yeah, we'd only be together for like a week, and then I'd fly back home, and I'd be like doing shows, and like I'd be FaceTiming her all the time while I was on the road or while I was at home making music Wait, so or it sa- yeah it sounds like you fell pretty quick then huh yeah pretty quick pretty quick for sure I mean we were FaceTiming so much that we were like literally I'm not even joking I'll admit this we were we were like FaceTiming each other to where we'd have our phones propped up charging probably not good for our phones at all but we'd like crash out with each other on the phone and shit <laughs> wake up to each other that's how it goes bro that's how it is <laughs> did everything together on the phone yeah but then like i said like s- stuff started getting kind of rocky f- for me in, in menominee like in my hometown like i had like i said i had some legal problems going on and like i was kind of couch hopping from place to place while i had a son and like that was not a good situation it wasn't good and i was kind of putting my priorities in the wrong my priorities and efforts were like not really in the right places. Um, so it just didn't like, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. So I had to like my, my family, like I said, they were actually the ones that were like, well, maybe you should go live with your girlfriend and, and see if you can like rebuild yourself. Cause I might basically as Trent cast was getting better, like as things for me are like as an artist, were getting better. My personal life was literally crumbling beneath my feet. It was horrible. Like, I was homeless basically by by the time that I moved out here. Like I had nowhere to stay, like nowhere to go. It was tough, and um, so I eventually came here because my family was like, "Oh, we'll help you. You know, give you like three hundred, four hundred bucks. You can do the same, and that should be enough to get you a, a um, uh, what did we get? It was like one of those little mini 
Cause I didn't have much, dude. I literally only had like what I had in my bedroom. I didn't have a whole lot to bring with me. So just got one of those cheap little tiny U-Hauls and drove that down here with my dad. And so my dad could drive it back up or no, he left it here. And then he flew back Yeah. Up. Cause Either way, you, you can like, you can drop those off at like any drop off location. Those, yeah. those, those shits are yeah, nice. He dro- yeah. He left it. Those shits are nice. I moved, uh, I moved from Idaho to Utah yeah. a few years ago and simple, simple shit, bro. It's like, Oh, you're moving here. Here's like 30, 30 bucks. And then you could just drop it off at any of these locations. It's like, fuck, say less. Yeah, for real. But yeah, when you're, when you're moving a little bit, it's like, not a whole lot on gas, but moving that far, that was believe that. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, yeah, I only moved yeah, away yeah. for like two hours. You, you decided to pack up and ship countries. You, you, you move time zones, man. Yeah, through through an through an entire time zone. Yeah, because my family is an hour ahead of me now. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It was wild. My dad drove. My, my dad and I drove that U-Haul down to Albuquerque. It took us like two days. Damn, that was fun. Two fucking days. We, Got super lit at this hotel we stayed at. <laughs> we were both hungover as fuck. On That's the way how it here. goes, though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, traveling across country, and we got here to Albuquerque, and um, like I said, I moved here in like 2018. It was like October 2018, and then I started my new life here, and it, uh, it was pretty interesting <laughs> to say. That's the least. how it goes. So you moved in in October 2018. I moved to Utah in May 2018. Look at us just making moves around the same time. That's how it goes. Um, That's how it goes, bro. <laughs> um, so you 100% sent it to New Mexico for your girl. That's love, bro. How long? How long do you think you guys were uh, were dating before you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go live with her. That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it's probably like a good like year into the relationship where we're like, all right, if we're going to be having a relationship like a thousand miles away, we're going to have to live. It's either like we're going to have to break this off or we have to like live together at some point. We can't just like have a relationship forever, like across country, you know, like that's never going to yeah. work out. So we were pretty real about it. And then we've been talking about it for some time. And that's, you know, like before, before things started getting rocky for me. So, and then when things started, started actually getting pretty bad, that's when I was, you know, they brought it up and I was already thinking it. I was like, what if I just, what if I go live with Teeny? Um, and my family, then they were like, yeah, what, what if you go live with Teeny? And I was like, that, that's probably the best idea. <laughs> so, um, so it worked out for two ways. Cause like I said, my life was kind of crumbling beneath my feet. Like I was putting so much time and effort into Trentcast that like, I was just not in a good place, wasn't making enough money and wasn't surviving the way I should and in, in, in Wisconsin. And then, so I got away from that and was also able to finally not be in a long distance relationship with, with Teeny anymore. And, um, yeah, so it definitely worked out for the better. And my, my son's been with his mom, uh, pretty much the whole time, but like we stay in contact. I FaceTime him like all the time and and all that good stuff. And he comes to visit me and he's going to, he's going to come stay with us this summer. Hey, too, which nice. is really sick. So we've got, we've got this room next door already for him and yeah. everything. And so yeah, I, you, I'm taking, you have a good relationship with his mom. Yeah. At first it wasn't, I'm sure. <laughs> dude, at first it was really pretty, it was bad. Like, and she didn't, she didn't understand why I was leaving to begin with either. Like she thought I was, she had it in her mindset that I was just like, 
like peace i'm out like i'm never helping you guys i'm not i'm not looking yeah. back but no like once yeah. i started like i would like i got a job as soon as i got into albuquerque and as soon as i started making money i was like facebooking facebook cash apping her whatever like sending her money like 100 bucks 200 bucks like not a whole lot but like something yeah you know, like as, as much as I was you could so, yeah, it was like, and she never, and she never came at me, bless her heart, she's never came at me for child support, and like, I, I've just always been like, just giving to her and contributing, and like, my family, she lives in my hometown, she's not from my hometown, and my family just like, helps her, and so like, we have this really good thing that works out, where like, like, I'm in contact with my family, I'm in contact with her, I get to stay in contact with my son, like, everybody's helping each other out, like, at first it was a little ugly, like, like easing into this function didn't really, it was a little kind of like edgy at first, but you know, a couple of years later we're, we're, we're in a solid groove of it. You know, my kid's going to school and my grandma picks him up and my, um, my, my, his mom takes him to school and I get to talk to him like over the weekends. And like when he's not at school on FaceTime, it's pretty much whenever he's like available, I can call yeah. him and she's not. She doesn't withhold that from that's me. Good. So like, like I, it's not like that's I call good. and she's like, you can't talk to him. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, like, she's never been like that. It's, it's always been super peaceful and smooth sailing. And it's just me living so far away definitely made things harder. But my family stepped in and like really picked up where I left off, which is blessed them for that too. Like I've, I've got a really cool, really supportive like just core so that's like the only thing that yeah it's the only thing that made this even possible to be that's awesome honestly because because i feel like so many people were like okay i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna say so many people but i think um when you're younger you try and just try and get loyal friends but more likely than not the loyalty that you're looking for is within your family and I um I'm a hundred percent about my family. Like when it comes to friends like that, I don't really have too many friends. I have, you know, some some networking associates that I speak to here and there, but like solid, solid friend bases. There's not too many, but I know for a fact, like the few people I can count on are my family, one hundred percent. And percent, yeah. Yeah, I think uh the the sooner you uh maybe maybe realize that those are the relationships to to work on and those relationships to get effort to um i i don't know i feel like that that's that's where you're look i'm like this this is this goes scenario by scenario of course um but mine personally i've realized that the friends that i was looking for are really just my siblings and my parents and my family just in general yeah yeah, honestly. Yeah. Once you get to a certain age, I mean, friends, friends are a big thing when like you are at that threshold of becoming an oh, adult, yeah. like your friends are more important to like your growth and development. I feel like, like leaving the nest is really important, but there comes a time and I, I'm 29 now I'm getting, I'm getting so close. Boy, to you, I look older than you. I look older than you. I'm 24. <laughs> I get that a lot. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna help me when facts, I'm forty, facts. right? <laughs> I'm be looking. I'm gonna be looking. <laughs> I'll be forty looking like. Yeah, I'm, 30. I'm gonna be backwards, bro. I'm gonna be thirty looking like I'm forty. Oh shit! No, don't say that, man. You. I'm gonna look that. good though. You you plateau. You plateaued. You're gonna look like that until you're fifty, and then you're gonna start. Looking Maybe, old. but I. Uh, <laughs> th- there was like this app that was going around. Maybe last summer, 
Whereas like a aging app where, where, you know, it'd make your hair gray and then it'd give you wrinkles and like that shit. Yeah. I did that. And like, I'm gonna keep it real with you. I look good. So like at the same time, like, Hey, if I get old and gray, like I'm cool. But also I'm saying I don't want to do that until I have to. I mean, if anything, you maybe look like a couple of years older than your age. Like, like I'd, I'd say you're like maybe like 27, 28. Like my yeah, age. see, I'm 24. Fuck. See, but what I'm saying though, bro, is like I said, you plateaued. So I don't think you're going to look any older until you are actually older. Yeah, I think these are facts. Shame. But like, yeah, I think you're, I think like in five, in 10 years, you won't look any different. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Like 35 you is, is going to look like 25. I'm praying, bro. Hopefully 35 me got the same energy be 25 me does. Cause like, actually no, cause I don't have too much energy right now, bro. I'm tired. <laughs> Whoa, what the, how did we get here? What were we talking about? Oh yeah. Relationships. <laughs> you said like you're 29 and like, it's important to have those friendships. At first, yeah. yeah, like I feel like in your early twenties, yeah, it is it is great to like find that friends group, you know, like build and grow off your friends. But like I was saying, like there comes a time when you when you get a little bit older, like getting close to your thirties. At least for me, that's, this is my experience. At least, like you start realizing that friends come and go, and like there's a line in uh, Fight Club where um, Tyler Durden and and that other dude are talking to each other about like single serving friends. And that basically just means like, you know, they're going to be there for only so long. So like your family is always going to be there. They're always, always, always going to be there. So in my opinion, yeah, that's like the number one mean number one relationship you should be focused on maintaining. But like, you know, if it's already pretty good, if you have a pretty good relationship with your family, then it's yeah, you can totally let go and have great relationships with your friends. But like I said, eventually you're like, Come to realize that yeah, your your family is definitely going to be there forever, and and you'll you you start seeing how like you'll be friends with people for like four or five years, and then it starts to maybe slowly fade. You know, they got their own things going on. You got your own thing going on. It's not like it's not like your kids. You know, got to live next door to each other for ten years and have like almost the same lives. That's movie shit, bro. So (laughs) yeah, that's definitely Hollywood shit. But uh, it's back though. Yeah, yeah. Um, some Hallmark shit. Yeah, yeah, that's Hallmark. That's A and E, bro. <laughs> that ain't that Nick at night at night shit, dog. Yeah, but I'm glad. Um, <laughs> that actually excites me and makes me warms my heart. Um, that you have a good relationship with your kid's mom, and the fact that your family back home is also like a say like your parents are like that's our grandson right mm-hmm. so yeah that's nice to know that, that they're back there supporting yeah yeah it's really cool it's really helpful too because like i don't know i don't none of this like i said before like none of this would really be possible if it wasn't for that functionality like it would be so difficult <laughs> coordinating things yeah. and like um for example just at the end of february um my kid's mom had the opportunity to go to Florida on vacation. And so she's like, what am I going to do? And my mom, she lives in like Milwaukee, like on the opposite side of Wisconsin from everybody else. And so my mom's been wanting to see my kid. So I was talking to my mom one night. Cause like, I'm always on the phone with my family, which is really cool. Right. And we we're talking about how, uh, 
she hadn't seen him. And then like, I was like, was like, yo, Brie needs to go do this thing. Do you want to maybe hang out with Trent for those like four or five days? So like immediately found a babysitter. My mom, my, my dad drove like halfway, went to Madison and like my mom met him in Madison with, with Trent and they brought him back. And so my mom hung out with, with Trenny boy for like the four or five days that Brie was in and like no complaints, no arguing, no hassle. Ugh. I just, I couldn't ask for a better situation, honestly, bro. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, that's cool that everything worked out that way. But, so, your homeboy, little son, name is Trent. I'm going to guess it's where you got your name from. No, actually, other way around. No way! (laughs) Yeah, so, (laughs) yeah, so this is, this is probably the story that a lot of people question or like wonder about. I've definitely been asked this before, you know, like, what is, what is Trent? Like, what, how does your son get Trent? Um, so like I said, my dad played a huge role in like me wanting to do music, right? Like he was a really big part of my influence and, um, something we used to do on the side, like when I was a kid, like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever my family, helped run like a internet cafe. Cause at the time, you know, like when computers were super boxy and shit, like Ooh, yeah. if people wanted to play like online games together, they'd have to like have them land, like like linked up together, like, like on a landline yeah. and everything. So like, so they had this internet cafe where they had like 16 computers and like all these like stout students from the local college would come and do their homework and whatnot. But late at night we'd close the, we'd close the place down and the family would come and, and we'd all play like like Counter-Strike and Unreal Tournament, like when it was the OG versions. And my dad's gamer name was Trentcast because his like his favorite book, my dad loves books, like he always reads. And so like his favorite character from some book in like the 80s or whatever, the guy's name is Trent. First name is Trent, and then last name is like Cast Navaris. But I got confused because he would always write it as just like Trent Cast. I thought it was Trent Cast Navaris. So like when I was going through names, I went through like five different artist names. And eventually I was like, you know what? I love my dad. I love that Trent cast name. That's really sick. Like he played a huge role in my influence for music. So I'm just going to do, I'm just, let's just do Trent cast. So I ran with it. And, um, so I picked that up in like 2013 or 2014. And then my son was born and then his mom and I could not agree on a name. We were going through like a whole list of names to name him. Like if he was a girl or if he was a boy, we agreed on like so many different things if it was a girl, but we couldn't agree on anything if it was a boy. And then eventually it got to the point where I was just like, what about Trent? And she's like, I like that. <laughs> so we stuck on Trent. <laughs> so yeah, my dad, who's Trent Cast, the OG, OG Trent OG. Cast, and then there's me who like the OG OG Trent Cast. And then there's me who like inherited the name or i guess you could say i like stole it that's how he kind of like he didn't like it at first actually he was like what you're gonna use that name that's my name <laughs> but he eventually yeah, he got he got he, he got into it after a couple of years once i started actually like playing shows and, and doing big things he was like okay okay that's that's awesome but at first he was like no that's my name it's my name yeah <laughs> but yeah so and then we had we had Trent, so we named him Trent, and that kind of started the legacy, honestly. <laughs> That's cool. How old is your kid? Uh, he is going to be seven in ha- April. Has yeah. those seven years gone by the fastest you've ever seen? So fast. So fast, bro. It's like, 
oh my god it's crazy and every time i see, like little babies I'm, I'm just like i feel like it wasn't that long ago when he was a little baby you know like super weird super weird how fast time goes by like as you get yeah. older there's actually videos on that it's crazy there's like videos and studies on why that is and it's just like a it's like a perception thing no nah, i believe that it's because uh they're doing such rapid changing in front of your eyes but the fact that like a lot of it is seeing someone like day to day especially kids see like if you see them day to day you don't see much growth but when you look back at it you're like oh fuck he grew like five inches in like six months yeah, no it's wild no, it's kids wild. grow so fast, man. Like just uh, so I've been with my girl a little over two years now, and almost as soon as we, you know, start started fucking with each other, she had a newborn nephew. So me being with her and more or less a part of the family since then, I've seen this little kid grow, um, and he's grown so much. And uh, it really is fucking crazy to see because now little homie's running around. He's, I know, it's it's just, it's weird. It's crazy, man. Just wait. (laughs) Just wait. I believe that he ain't even my kid and I, and it fucking astonishes me. But like, I don't, I don't see him, you know, every day. I can't even imagine how his parents just like, like I said, see it every day. But, uh, they just don't, they can't really like acknowledge the growth because it's a day-to-day thing. Right. Yeah. No, that's why, that's why every time you see family, like you, like with your kid, you'll see family after like a couple months. And that's when that they, they, cause they see it, they see the changes more because they don't see him as often. Right. So they're always like, Oh my God, look at him. He's so big. Bro, he's so big, bro. <laughs> if you don't hear that, I wish my girl said that, bro. But Hey, um, you're uh <laughs> shit what was I gonna say oh so when trendcast became a thing and you said uh this is a callback from like i don't know half an hour ago maybe but you said um uh your biggest years of trendcast were what 2016 17 yeah honestly i really feel like yeah like 2016 2017 2018 that was kind of like my highlight years um just because of how like how I was actually like at that point I was actually out playing shows. Like I was, I was actually getting to travel. I was getting to, I was getting to experience kind of like what it was like to be a, like a little bit more of an established artist. And, um, I felt like I was, felt like I was making really good progress. Um, but you know, it was like COVID and me, mo- me moving and COVID like that, those two things just really kind of, put a damper on everything but so that's why i feel like those are like my highlight years because that was when everything was just like smooth sailing everything was great you know i was getting paid for shows and getting getting to travel for free basically which was coolest experience of my entire life i'll never forget that (laughs) so cool to be able to go to places like orlando and not have to pay a dime for it and actually make money off of doing it that was so fun like seeing friends there and everything yeah do you remember that one time there wasn't covid and there were shows. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I miss it so much, bro. <laughs> I miss it so, so much. So much, so much so to the point where we actually just like a couple weeks ago, now that I'm in a house, this is the first time I've ever been in a house where I can like party and go crazy until 6 a.m. and not piss any, not get the cops called or get pissed anybody off or anybody. 
or anything. Um, but anyway, we had like a small little shindig. We had like a little like floor speaker, like a little sub and we had somebody brought their decks and I pulled out my decks. And so we had, and there was like maybe like 10 people. So it was a really low key little thing, but someone brought like lights. Somebody had like a little laser thing and, uh, I don't know if you saw my saw that on my story. I posted it like a couple of weeks back. I think but I may have. It was a vibe, dude. That was that was so cool. We had a, we had a, we pulled out our like uh, we have this couch thing that's like a little bit taller, and so we pulled that out and like used it as a rail. <laughs> Everybody was like headbanging. The fucking <laughs> so it was a vibe, man. Like we miss we miss it so much that we brought the li- the show life here for a night. Like we had to throw a rave. It was, it was Bro, fun. I think you have to because, like, when you think about it, it was a year ago that we did the two week lockdown. Remember the 14 day yeah. lockdown? I imagine. Yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. I remember. But honestly, for me, it's been even longer since I've played a show because I moved out here to New Mexico and, like, I made it so much harder for promoters and bookers to, like, want to fuck with me <laughs> in a yeah. way. I made it a lot more hard for myself to, like, get shows and, I went from playing a couple shows a month to playing like a couple shows a year when I first moved here. And then the second year I was living here. Yeah. in like 2019, like I think I maybe played like two shows the whole year and then 2020 hit and that was, that was it. So I hadn't played anything since like the middle of 2019 and then, and then everything starts closing down and I'm just like, all right, this is it. I was honestly really depressed halfway through 2020. I thought like I thought I was gonna just be done with Trent Cast. I was just like, this is fucking. It's like this ain't it anymore. I don't blame you, man. (laughs) It was wild. 2020 was a rough year for a lot of fucking people. So I feel you, bro. COVID is the number one reason. Like my girl and I are long distancing, and it's so fucking shitty. But you said that 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 you were playing. You were playing hella shows. You were going like, what? I uh, what's the farthest you gone? Where are some dope ass cities you played, or like dope ass memories from cities oh, you played? Um, what what are the, like some dope ass lineups? What are some people you played support for? Like, how was how was primetime? <laughs> oh, primetime Trentcast. So one of the one of the one of the better sets I ever played definitely was. Um, like one of the most energetic sets that like everybody was there and everybody was actually into it. I opened for, I was like, actually I, I opened for bombers. So I got to hand the decks off to him. I had a great, I had a great set time. It was at the exchange in Minneapolis and this was like 2017 or 18. I think I can't remember exactly when this was, but that show went down. It was shoulder to shoulder. Everybody was getting it. It was, it was crazy. Like I got to play on functions and they had me at like, max volume so it was like the real deal it was a lot of fun that was a that was a crazy show that wasn't too far from home though so i guess you could say like the the, the one the shows like plays that shows that i played that were like way farther away from home like i got to headline in orlando which was really cool met some really cool people out there um i did this little mini tour with microdot on the east coast so i, I flew into boston or no i flew into new haven connecticut we did a little thing there, and then we drove to um, Boston, Massachusetts the next day, did a little thing there, and then the third day, we drove to um, Brooklyn, New York, and then did a little thing there, and the Brooklyn show was sick. The Brooklyn show was really sick, and honestly, the the New Haven show was a flop. Like it, That was honestly, it was so weird, and 
It like it's this sounds all extravagant and everything, but it was honestly, dude, it was so awkward. Like there was nobody that showed up. It was at a strip club, and the guy that like owned the strip club basically ended up kicking us out because nobody was showing up. So I didn't even get to play my set. What the fuck, man? Yeah, it was fucked up. It was fucked up. That that night was awkward as hell. That was he did not the promoter did not set up anything for New Haven at all. It was not that was weird. But the the Brooklyn show was pretty cool. That kind of popped off. Met some really cool people there. Um, and then, and then, like I said, I got to see New York. That was really cool. I've never been to New York in my entire life, and I never thought I'd get to. And and here I am, like riding through New York, like downtown New York. It was so sick. Playing um, music too. Playing music, yeah. I actually got to play in Brooklyn. I actually got to play in Brooklyn, and it was dope. Like there was actually a good few like rhythm heads there that were really into it because that was back when I played pretty much just like chops and stuff. Um. Other shows I played, I, I got to play in Detroit, Michigan one time. That was really dope. Played in Chicago a bunch of times. Uh, Minneapolis was like my hot spot because that was like, an, I literally, I could drive myself to shows for Minneapolis. So I, I was, I, I was like a local in Minneapolis pretty much. Um, and then I'm trying to remember other shows. There was like something I did in Iowa at one point, um, Des Moines, Iowa. I think that was after I moved here in Albuquerque though. That was like one of those like, two shows in that that second year that I lived here that I actually got to play. Um, I got to go to LA a couple times, but again, that was after I moved here. So like after I moved here, like people were still trying to like cling on and be like, yeah, we're, we're going to like try to get you on shows, even though you're like way the fuck out there now. Um, so I got to do a couple of cool things like after moving here, but during the, uh, during like the prime time, it was high. I would, I want to say the Orlando show was probably, um, Oh, I forgot. Yeah, no, I I played this. Uh, I played an indoor festival called Snowda in Minneapolis too. That was really oh, huge. Yeah. We played for that was the biggest crowd I've ever played for. There was at least like two thousand heads Jesus. there, and it was funny because we played. Our set time was the same set time as Post Malone. For whatever reason, Post Malone was playing at this like all EDM show, like <laughs> like he was an opener for this thing. But um, yeah, so Post Malone was going on on like the main stage, and we had like the second main stage next to us. It was us like the Martians. So it was like me, Trips, Microdot, and Gitlo. And um, their set ended 15 minutes earlier than ours did. So their music cuts. And all of a sudden, all these, like this mass crowd of people for Post Malone's crowd, they, they start hearing dubstep in the next room. So they all like start slow. Dude, in, in a matter of like two minutes, we went from having like maybe like 50 people to like two or 3,000 people in this enormous fucking room. I was like shaking. I couldn't even mix very well because I was like, I was like, oh my god, that's so many people. Like, I was, I was not in my element. But I played Teen Rhythm. I have a video of that on my Instagram, which is really sick. Like, I'll, I'll cherish that forever. That was so dope. Um, but yeah, that was that was Snowda was sick. And then, and then I got to play Infrasound three years in a row. That was really cool too. Um, those are just the highlights. But I, yeah, I played. Like I said, yeah, I was it was really fun, dude. Like I, I was under um, this dude. Um, Luke Main, uh, I don't know if you've heard of like Chai Vision Records or like, I don't know what he calls himself now. I think it's like Ronin or something like that out of Chicago. Okay. But um, this dude was like my manager for a while and he actually had the hookup. Like he actually had us, me and like the other Martian guys, like he, we were actually able to fly around and do some really cool shows in like Detroit, Chicago and some other places. Um, so but at the same time, while we were doing shows like that, there was also a couple of really weird flop shows. Like we played this one in Minneapolis where I actually ended up paying like a hundred dollars to get there. 
and I didn't make like anything off that show. So I lost like a hundred dollars playing that show. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a couple flops in there, but for the most part, it was like, I had a, I had an artist writer. I had a, I had a legit artist fee. Like I had a, like, like, um, I had like a whole contract that went behind it and like my managers took care of it. So I got to live kind of like that established artist life for a little bit. And it was really cool. It was really surreal. And it was, it was dope because I was making all sorts of friends like that to me, like was like the main thing. Like I'm just a really social person. So like I just loved meeting new people, but I'm also really shy. So it was hard for me to meet new people at the same time. That's how it goes sometimes, man. But because I'm so shy and like, sorry, I mean to cut you off, no, no, go for it. but like because I was so shy and like at the time I was kind of getting popular. So like people were, people would actually come up to me and be like, oh, your set's dope. And like that gave me the opportunity to like meet friends because I could never go up to people yeah. and just be like, Hey, what's your name? Uh, like, so them coming up to me, like that was me, like making friends. And I loved it, dude. It was so sick. Nah, that's cool. That's cool to hear. But damn, man, that shit sounds fun. I think the most I've ever been paid for a show is 40 bucks. So yeah, I, I had to, hey, drive, that's the money, I had to drive my ass there though. Oh yeah. That was the um, easiest 40 bucks I've ever made. And that's on baby. Those are facts right there. But Dude, keep working hard, keep working hard, and it'll come. Like, then the business for this is booming. Like, there's so many people getting well, right now with COVID, though, it's kind of yeah, awkward. It's... Like, you know, we're not people aren't really getting booked to like fly out. But once this shit blows over, bro, I guarantee you it's going to come back and like it's going to come back with a boom. Like, there's going to be so many more promoters looking for artists. So, there's going to be so many more artists like getting chances to do it. Yeah, I believe that. I'm hoping I get a chance to do it again. Yeah, coming out of it, uh, people, um, like you said, promoters, like trying to put shows on, like, Hey, music's back. We can fill up, fill up buildings now and shit. Yeah. I bet it's going to be booming. But a lot of me, like as of lately, I don't know if I really want to dive super deep into electronic music, uh, because lo-fi and instrumental music has really been. Yeah. As of late. Because there's this one, I gotta I gotta look it up. It's an album, but this album, it can easily put me to tears. So fucking crazy. But the album that I was looking for is called Chill Hop Winter Essentials 2018. Um, that year, you know, I got I started getting into lo-fi and just more, like I said, more instrumental music. Because, I don't know, the shit was just speaking volume to me. And I think a big reason that I have such a passion for music is my dad has been um, playing music since he was like 14. Like, homie can play the guitar, he can play the bass guitar, he can play the keyboard, he can play the, the, um, the, what are, the what are these motherfuckers called? Accordion. Um, <laughs> motherfucker can sing. Like, like he's really musically talented, and I think that's where the base of like my love for music comes. So they're in a little different uh, spectrums, you know, the type of music we do. Like, grow, like growing up, like my dad had this dream of making like a a band with his with his sons. So he he would be singing. My older brother, like uh, my dad, taught my older brother the guitar. He taught me the bass guitar and he taught my little brother drums. 
So like growing up, we would have this uh, this little family band out in the garage, and we just we would uh, hell just, yeah we just play music jam out yeah yeah. So like mu- music has always been a part of like my life, and uh, especially my my upbringing. So I think that's where a lot of my passion for music comes from, and I think I got the taste of it when I was like 14, 13, 14 with electronic music, and then that kind of just boomed off. And I boomed off with it. Yeah. But as of late, like I've just been going back to like the roots of like having like a bass guitar lay down, lay down a sexy ass bass line. I will take that over like deep growls any day. Yeah. So, so yeah, lately, vibe, yeah, vibe, vibe over in your face pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, been blowing up in, in like, my preferences and in my life, like I've been putting way more effort into that. So like I think <clears throat> Monday night I made a track and I I laid down some chords on my MIDI keyboard and it's just a basic um, grand piano um, instrument that I used. But, you know, obviously, you, you know how MIDI keyboards work, but yeah. <laughs> But I just laid down some some chords on there, but it is really fucking fu- pretty, and that has probably top five songs that I've ever made. Was just Monday night that I spent like three hours in here, stayed up way too late that night, but I made a really really pretty song, and I'll take that any over almost any track that I made to date dubstep wise and yeah so that's been super there's something, super, there's something to be said about creating at night yeah, definitely yeah way more definitely. creative at night for sure i think a big thing is this is my take on it and my personal experience at night i'm a little more tired i don't overthink things and it's easier for me to say i like that let's move on yeah yeah definitely i agree yeah because i mean i i'm an indecisive person as it is so the when it comes to music, like it's always like I would say number one key is learn learn to be satisfied. You can always come back. That yeah, that's definitely. that's my take on on music production. As long as yeah. if you actually remember to save. <laughs> oh, bro, you gotta save. You gotta control S all the time. Control S. Control S. Control S. Control S. Do you uh do you work on uh what kind of do you, you have a desktop don't you? Yeah, I've actually got a um iMac 2019 4K. Jesus uh, Christ! And a half inch. Jesus Christ! It's sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. I don't I don't speak rich. Damn, dog. What I, what <laughs> no, I did? It's, it's pretty it's pretty powerful. It could be more powerful though. It, it could be more powerful. It struggles sometimes. I feel that I definitely I want to <laughs> with big I, projects. That that's fair. What what's the biggest project you have? How many tracks do you fuck with like on a big project? Honestly, I want to say to date, the biggest project that I've ever released is actually probably World on Fire, my my latest release. Yeah. I think there's like a hundred and a hundred and like five tracks in it. <laughs> and it's just like there's all sorts of stuff happening in there. There's all sorts of automations, like hundreds of plugins, like that. That one goes in. That project is stacked. 
that's like one of the first projects where I like really put a lot into it. A lot of my older tunes would be like like old school trick cast. You're looking at like maybe like twenty or thirty channels in a project max. Like yeah. just some like drums, some like some pads and some bass sounds and some like effects. Like my old school stuff was like super minimal, but I'm trying to like get things a little bit more interesting, have more sounds happen that like you know, like, whoa, what was that? You know, like No, nah, that makes sense, especially because like since um the dubstep scene or producing scene is so oversaturated that it's uh it almost has like a specific layout and nine out of 10 artists are going to follow that specific layout, you know, and the, the way they're going to make it unique is just by making their, you know, drums a little unique or trying to fuck with sound design, try and make a sound that hasn't been made yet, but like it probably has been made already just because like I said, of how oversaturated the scene is. So I think when it comes to uniqueness, you have to dig deeper and not necessarily follow a layout. You can, to, you can, but yeah, to an extent, like you really like to be unique. It's definitely hard in dubstep. I, I yes. think it's really, really hard to have a very unique sound in dubstep. And that's kind of why lately I've been expanding and I haven't been making, I haven't been making like, you're like typical dubstep as much lately. Like I've been like behind the scenes, I'm making a lot of really weird experimental projects with like all sorts of different BPMs and which is uh, exactly what I'm looking for. Criminals collective. So, (laughs) well, you know, I got you on that. Those are facts, um, man. I want, I want a trend cast release. Well, we're going to get it. We're going to do it for sure. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Trend cast is your music name. It, okay, don't don't smack me if I'm wrong, but is your actual name Forrest? Yeah, yeah, okay. Forrest Wagner. <laughs> I fucking knew that. I fucking knew that. Yeah, 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 we're friends on Facebook. What am I doing? I'm tripping. Yeah, it should say right under here on Zoom too. <laughs> uh, it does. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I knew that. No, you're good. You're good. But um. Yeah, you you've been really expanding on experimental shit, and I know when I first started up a criminals collective last fall, I I hit you up for a release, and we we were in the works there, but um, but yeah, you were already working on experimental shit then. Like I remember you sending me little samples here and there. You're like, hey, I started this the other night. I don't know if you had any completed tracks, but uh. You did send me some samples that I was all about. So yeah, definitely. Like that that's cool to see expansion just because like I said, like every everyone and their dog is either making dubstep or DJing dubstep. So it's definitely a harder scene to fit into now or or stand out in, I should say. Yeah. It's a lot harder to stand out in that. Um yeah. But don't get me wrong, I still love it. Like, I still love making it. I still love playing it. I still love listening to it. I still love headbanging to it, even though it's going to hurt my back the next three days. Thanks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's just, I think, yeah, it's just a little bit harder to, like, be unique in that. And I feel like a couple of people have already, like, done that. Like, and uh, just hard to, it's just hard to stand out in that scene, in my opinion. So, but I'll still I'll still keep at it with with dubstep. I just me personally I don't think I'll ever get as big as I would want to get with dubstep. So 
That's but I just, I just, I'm not sure how, I, I'm not sure how to make it sound too, too unique. Cause like you said, there is like, it's so oversaturated to a point where there is kind of like, there's like a rule. There's like guidelines and rules you have to follow to make that kind of dubstep. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, for me, it's harder to stay unique with that. Whereas like, if I just start putting random sounds together, you know, like get a weird, like car horn and throw a portal on it. And then some really weird effects and, see what happens and cut that up. And I seem to just have a lot more fun doing it like that. And it's like more unique that way to you too. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's, there's people can definitely, they have their own sound and dubstep and they can stand out. So yeah. Big but, ups to them. <laughs> um, more likely than not, definitely big ups to them, but more likely than not, those people that do stand out were the first ones to do that. And people see that that was successful, so they'll try and like head, head down the same direction <clears throat> rather than trying to find their own shit. So it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a hard market to brand yourself unless you were the first to do it or um, you're a shit poster because that can also take you. Right. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's still it's still possible. But to to my my advice to to people that are listening that that we may be discouraging on this whole dubstep scene thing. Like, I feel like these days, if you really just want to make it, like you really want to stand out, you know, be unique, be original, but try to get your music on labels. Like, I don't think self releases and repost chains are really going to cut it anymore. Like. At this point, people, if people are looking for music, like they're like talent scouting, they're most likely talent scouting on existing labels. You know what I mean? And then like, and then especially like new labels that like big artists are coming up with, like, uh, you know, Protohype just came up with a new label, Underdogs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Excision's got how many labels, you know, like uh, Funcase has a label, you know, like all these guys. R.I.P. Rowan. Get on their label. <laughs> if you can get on these bigger labels, then you've definitely got a better chance at getting someone's eye on you. Yeah, um, and that's just my opinion. A lot, a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is uh, uh, um, shoot your shot. Like you know how we meant to mention it earlier. Like girls shoot your shot on, on guys. Producers or uh, producers shoot your shot on labels because you never know. Like you think your song may or may not be good, but you're like, I'm going to send it out there just for the fuck of it. You send it a funk case and yeah. he's like, Hey, this is actually really good. Do this to it and then send it back. And then next thing you know, you have an in with funk case because you caught his attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and some advice that was given to me was like, don't just send one tune to a label either, you know, send them like an EP's worth of music. So if they want a single, they have music to choose from. Or if they're down to release the whole thing, then then you end up releasing a label or an EP with them instead. And most labels want to release EPs over singles. Oh yeah, because singles I think is more of a more of like a a free download on SoundCloud type of release. Yeah, um, whereas it, you can put a little bit more like you can put a little bit more uh, promotion on a project. Promotion behind an EP, yeah, behind an EP project for sure, definitely. Yeah. Um, speaking of experimental, like five minutes ago, um, I got to send you a track I made last week. It's, 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 uh, I'm, it's, it's kind of nutty, but not in the nutty of like 
what probably the majority of these listeners are thinking of. Um, I'll send it to you and then I'll get some feedback on it. But uh, yeah, let me hear this. I want to hear it, especially if it's nutty and experimental. (laughs) Yeah, we'll find, we'll find out. I'll send it to you. It's it's pretty simple because uh, a lot of it is just bare bones right now, but the whole basis of it, it comes from a, comes from a different perspective of any other type of production I've made so far. Yeah. But also, yeah, I can say that um, I would say the past 10 pro- Ableton projects I've started and completed, I would say two are dubstep and the other eight are either hip hop or some lo-fi. Just because I think uh, those are a lot more musically based, whether I'm using my MIDI keyboard or um, or maybe I throw some guitar riffs on it. But super simple shit, just because, like, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to play a fucking live show in front of thousands. Um, This is literally, literally uh, bedroom production. You know, I ain't trying to woo anyone. I'm just trying to make something that sounds cool and that I enjoy listening to. And I think yeah, that you vibe to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, important to be able to vibe yeah. to your own music. If you don't vibe to it, then who who is you know? Yeah, exactly. Like number one thing, you gotta be you gotta be your own biggest fan, straight up. <laughs> In a way, yeah, you do. I mean, if you're making music for yourself, especially that's kind of at the end of the day, I feel like that's how it should be. You're kind of just making music for yourself if you enjoy it. If you're making it for music or making it for money or whatever, then you know, so but. When it comes down to it, yeah. If you're making it to enjoy it, then you definitely gotta you gotta vibe with it for sure. So if you're making music for yourself, you gotta vibe with it. Trent Cass Forest, it's been awesome having you on this podcast. I think we got nice content on this fucking episode. Like I said, this is probably one of more one of my more special ones because you've helped me progress in my production. And also, like you mentioned earlier in a little text thread, you're like it's not always business you know we're homies too so yeah hell yeah exactly um uh, let's see at the end of every episode i ask my guest to like leave a note or like leave a little advice to the listeners on just anything it could be about production it could be about life it could be on risks whatever What's one thing you want listeners to to really take in? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess a uh, last piece of advice that I could leave off on would be to just don't get caught up on what other people are doing. You know, like at this point, there's a lot of people that are trying to do what we're doing. There's a lot of people that are trying to climb their way to the top. And that's going to drag you down if you focus on that too much. So just focus on yourself and focus on your own games and like definitely don't tell people what is up. Like wait until it's already for sure and set in stone and like it's a thing and it's already happened. Then be like, yo, this is what's up. Like I feel like that drags a lot of people down is when they'll be like, yo, I'm going to be doing this because half the time they either don't get around doing it or by the time it does come around, like they've already lost some hype for it. So. um now that one's a little bit more confusing, but definitely like just don't compare yourself to other people. That's like the number one thing. 
just focus on yourself and like focus on your own music and like your own progression as an artist and try to work with other people too. Like don't be like, don't, don't shun yourself away from other people. Like don't sit there and compare yourself to people and not try to like talk to them. If you know, if you see somebody that kind of intimidates you, you like maybe try to get in good with them, try to like get a zoom call with them and like hang out and, get to know him because nine times out of 10, you're going to find out that you actually really like the motherfucker because he's probably really cool. Just as cool as you are, you know, like half the time you actually find out they're really, really dope people and you make good connections that way. And then just the stuff that you can learn from each other. Like I was pretty secluded. I didn't really want to like work with other people or anything like that for the longest time. But then once I started opening up to that, I started learning so much more. And like, that's all there really is to it. Like as a producer, like as a, as a friend at shows, I was always super open to people. But when it came to like working with other people and like talking to other people about music, I was always thinking like, I knew it all. and I've got it all figured out. I started realizing I definitely don't. And I need help from other people and like started being more open to that. That's when I started really making some real fucking progress. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. So basically, don't be afraid to work with people. Don't compare yourself people to people though because self-progress is the number one thing that matters and yep. fucking take risks bro move in with the love take of your risk. life across the fucking nation fuck it yeah yeah definitely yeah take risks too that's another big one for sure just yeah if, if opportunity presents itself take it <laughs> take it for sure 100 well forest trend cast forecast only a few people know but thanks for tuning in the last thing i'm gonna talk about is I started a segment on this podcast. Didn't do a last episode, but I'm going to do it this one. It's called Florida Man. So this episode's dropping on March 5th. And March 5th, Florida Man says, thong-wearing Florida Man arrested while building shed with garbage on strangers' property. Yo, oh, my God. Only in Florida, bro. <laughs> only, only, like, like. It's a it's a meme, but that meme holds so much weight because you're not seeing this type of shit in Idaho. So no, damn, legit Florida man. Yeah, Albuquerque, you see some pretty wild shit here. <laughs> hey, George, I'm not gonna say this last name. George, you fucking wild and you thong wearing Florida man. Anyways, I'm gonna leave that there. Forest. Thanks for tuning in on this episode. I appreciate it. I'm so happy having you. Love to have you back again. I know that for a damn fact. And oh, yeah. And then maybe, maybe listeners, criminals, look out for a Trendcast release on Criminals Collective. Yes, sir. It's going to be coming out soon. Mad love, dude. I appreciate everything. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Criminals, thanks for tuning in to another episode. And y'all be safe.